When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. It's Purple Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Purple Podcast. Matthew Collar here along with former NFL quarterback Sage Rosenfels. Sage, how are you? It's great. Great to be back on after were we I think we were not on last week, right? Did we take the week off or were uh, we, on we were last on week? We took the week off. Early last week, but only once. See we feels it, like a long time after going the whole season with, with twice a week and now we're only sort of a once a week off season. Vikings offseason thing, and obviously the Super Bowl come up a couple of days. There's still plenty to talk about. There is. And uh, so we will get to a couple of Super Bowl things. But first, Pro Football Focus put out its massive QB annual that has a ton of amazing statistics that goes into absurd, ridiculous, mind-blowing detail on every quarterback in the NFL. So I poured through Kirk Cousins' page with a fine-tooth comb to see what I could learn about his 2018 season and how it might apply to making him better in 2019, Sage. And I want to start out with Kirk Cousins' similarities to 2016 Sam Bradford, that he was one of the least aggressive quarterbacks in the league this year, tons of short passes, mostly first-read quick throws, And I think that that would match up with what we saw. And part of it is because of the offensive line. I wonder if you think under Gary Kubiak, if Kirk Cousins can become more aggressive. And there's one area specifically that I would like him to do that. And that's in throwing to Stefan Diggs and Adam Thielen when they're covered, because both of them can make special plays. He did not do that very often. Is that something that's just going to be who Kirk Cousins is? Or is there a quarterback coach... Uh, Clint Kubiak, I mean, is there a way to work with a quarterback to get him to be a little more aggressive? Well, yeah, you can have those discussions in your in your quarterback's room and your offensive room and, and talk about, you know, when it's when you, when you, if you can give your guys a chance, give Adam Thielen a chance, give Diggs a chance. Usually good things happen when you throw up those 50-50 balls. But, you know, what I'm most interested in and in watching with Kubiak, and obviously I have my three years with him in Houston, uh, and, and I believe how this offense will change. I think it will dramatically change over it was this year and over what, what it was a few years ago uh, with Sam Bradford. And, you know, one, running the football is going to be at a premium, uh, lining up the quarterback under center, probably using the fullback a lot more, 
to me, that type of offense, then uh, the second half of it is the play action. Uh, it's faking to the ball to the running back and like legitimate play action, not these token fakes that you see in gun. Those aren't even really play action. I'm talking about where the defense really does have to react and make a decision. And, and, and we just saw it this year with the wide receivers, uh, their yards per catch way down in 2018. Mm-hmm. Both Thielen uh, and Diggs were down two or three yards a piece. And to me, that's because the play action is what you get to the big plays. And when I mean play action, not just the, the stuff where you're in the pocket, but also the bootleg type stuff where you're out of the pocket. That means the offensive line doesn't have to sit there and just drop back and pass protect uh, for four or five seconds. That's a really hard thing to do. The play action allows them to come off the football, be more aggressive, makes the defense try to play the run first. And then the quarterback then has more time in the pocket or, or as I said, rolling out to find something down the field. So that is Kubiak's specialty. Uh, I think that we're going to very, very quickly find see uh, a difference in this offense again from this year and from that year when Bradford, you know, had that. I think he threw for over seventy percent and, and led the NFL in, in passing, and and uh, the Vikings went eight and eight. I think you're going to see a very big difference between this season and those seasons uh, in that run play action type stuff, and you're going to see Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs' numbers as far as yards per catch, uh, you know, go up, and I think that. Uh, will be more of, uh, you know, the conversation about Cousins pushing the ball downfield more, being more aggressive. It's actually finding more concepts uh, and more time in the pocket for him to be more aggressive. Yeah, at one point, I remember you saying in the middle of the season, you said, when was the last time you saw a receiver running wide open? And usually with all the good schemes, I mean, you see this with the Rams, you see it with the Patriots. Uh, Kyle Shanahan found a lot of ways to do it. Uh, with the San Francisco 49ers, with George Kittle and Kyle Juszczyk. He was always finding ways to get these guys wide open, and the Vikings did not have that very often. But it was really interesting to me that one of the statistics here with PFF is that Cousins was one of the most accurate quarterbacks when throwing into tight windows. So when he was willing to do it, he was accurate, but he just wasn't willing to do it very often. So I think that a tiger's probably not going to change his stripes when it comes to this, that cousins is not all of a sudden going to become a gunslinger. So they have to find more ways to scheme these wide receivers open and take advantage of the fact that cousins is very accurate. He was uh, by the pro football focus statistics, one of the most accurate quarterbacks in the NFL last year. Well, and listen, and if you go off of uh, what, what Tom Brady's doing right now, when you watch the Super Bowl, if you watch these playoff games, He's not back there taking long drops in the pocket, holding on to the football. They do a ton of play action. Uh, and then when they, when they do just straight drop back, uh, they're getting the ball out quick. And that's, you know, why Tom is so great. And I think Cousins mentally can be the same way because he's really smart and likes to analyze defenses and he's very detailed. Uh, is, you know, who is that one on one matchup? Who is the guy I can get the ball to as quickly as possible? Uh, you know, I always thought to myself when I was playing, you know, the football is sort of a hot potato for a lot of quarterbacks. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I it, the longer it's in my hand, you know, great things aren't going to happen. Now, mm-hmm. some guys like Pat Mahomes, that's different. Yeah. The guy who creates Russell Wilson, that's different. But for a guy who's more of an executor, you want to get that ball out. And that's what Tom does so well. Uh, and he gets the ball out quickly. And, and when you have a, a good coach with a really good scheme and uh, you do find those one-on-one matchups uh, very, very quickly. And you also find you put the receivers in the right places uh, so they can win those matchups. And, and I do think Kubiak and Stefanski will, will be at a different level uh, 
uh, than what they had last year with their coordinator. Another stat when you're talking about Gary Kubiak and how it applies to making Kirk Cousins better is when he was getting rid of that ball in the hot potato style under two seconds, this is another one of the PFF stats, that they only averaged 5.3 yards per play and had a negative expected points added in those situations, which tells me that they were not scheming those quick throws very effectively. And I think that that matches up with what you would say with the eye test, that the swing passes, the screen passes, every so often they were successful, but not on a regular basis. And that's where, with Delvin Cook and maybe an improvement at the guard position, if you can get yards for Kirk Cousins by getting the ball out of his hands super quick and not asking him to do too much, I think they're going to have a lot more success, and they just didn't do that very well under John Filippo last year. Well, yeah, and, 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 and the quick game type of stuff, you know, slants are one of those plays that a lot of uh, offensive corners really like because it is a way to get the ball out quickly, but also... Uh, if the ball is accurate and the route is run correctly, there can be some run after the catch type of stuff. And the Vikings did run a lot of slants last year, but it was almost all what we call dragon or a drag slant, uh, which is basically the outside guy running a slant route, the inside guy running a flat route. Uh, and, and those are fine, but there's a lot. You can run slants a lot more on the inside. They can run what they call a slop route from the inside spot where the guy does have a slant, but if he doesn't win, say the defender's playing hard inside technique on him, he has the option uh, to then uh, convert it to, to, to run then outside uh, and break it off. And so that's what they call it, a slop route, a slant option. So there are different ways to, again, you know, get the ball out of your hands quickly and get that yards per catch up you know, much, much higher. And you know, another thing that when we, we talked about it all year, the Vikings didn't do very well, and Kubiak is a, a, a very good designer of, uh, and I think Stefanski will be too with, with, the, with, with what he learned from both what he'll learn from Kubiak and, and what he learned from past coordinators, including Pat Shermer, is to get, you know, tight ends involved in the screen game. You know, when we think of screens, a lot of times we talk about wide receiver screens, you know, out, out on the edge or, you know, some sort of running back screen, whether it's a drop back or a play action running back screen. But the play action tight end screens, those are really, really effective as well uh, for the teams that come up on play action. And then they uh, sprint back to try to cover, uh, you know, the, the in-breaking routes or the deeper routes by the wide receivers. And then they forget that tight end who's blocking that, uh, that defensive end for a couple counts. And so I think there are uh, a lot of ways to, uh, for, for Cousins to, you know, keep up his high completion percentage, but to be, to be more effective on those completions. It's interesting you bring that up because I've been thinking about this a lot with the tight end position and the potential of adding another tight end to go along with Kyle Rudolph to just give them more options and more weapons for Kirk Cousins. But there were times where uh, Kyle Rudolph had success when they would throw him some type of screen. I mean, there was a play against Green Bay where it's a zone run play action and it looks like Kyle Rudolph is going to block, and then he just leaks out, and he's wide open, and he runs for 20 yards. <laughs> it's like they never went back to that, and I didn't really understand why. Uh, I know that Kyle is not the biggest yards-after-catch guy ever, but if he's wide open because the team on the other side ignores him, then he's going to be able to gain 15, 20 yards, and that was just well, stuff that was, they didn't do well. Yeah, and that's the thing, and that's what you know. That's why John D. Filippo was, was fired 13 uh uh, games in despite the fact that the Vikings were setting some, you know, passing game records. Uh, they weren't really effective, uh, yards and, and you don't have to be a, a great, great athlete, uh, to be a good screen runner, whether it's a running back with a guy like, you know, I sort of see a Latavius Murray, 
uh, and Kyle Rudolph is sort of similar types of players at their position. Steady, smart, you know, they, they always do the right thing, not, you know, supremely uh, fast and athletic, but screen routes are a lot of times more about savvy and understanding timing, understanding that sell uh, of blocking a defensive end for just the right amount of time. And then the feel afterwards of how your linemen are getting out in front of you uh, and who's the guy to miss. So, yeah, I mean, it's nice to have somebody that runs a 4 4 40 uh, to catch a screen, uh, you know, like a Dalvin Cook and take it to the house. But you know, a lot of times you're just looking for a, a 10 or 15 yard gain. And I do believe Kyle uh, Rudolph could be a, a you know very savvy sort of veteran that can get a lot of positive yards on those screens. And on top of it, it helps out tremendously with the pass protection. Again, this is another uh, chance the defensive line has to one first play the run, then rush the passer, and then sprint after a screen. There's sort of three things going on on one type of play for them. And that type of confusion consistently will slow down that pass rush. Hey, you brought up slants, and I wanted to circle back to that. When I was going through film after games, I would notice a lot of times where Cousins' timing on those slant-drag combinations wasn't always there. And there was one particular game against the Jets where they ran that a couple times in the red zone, and he was just a tick late. And I was reading Bruce Arian's book, and he was going through some of these things that he always taught his quarterbacks not to do. One of them was pat the ball because he felt like it threw off the timing on some of those routes. And I feel like I see Kirk Cousins do this a lot, where he's patting the ball. Was that something that you were always like told not to do? And, and did it, does it affect the timing of something like a quick slant? Yeah, you know, again, you know, Kubiak was, uh, was big on not patting the football. You know, when I came to the league in 2001, uh, you know, the, the quarterbacks that I had watched growing up, you know, Joe Montana, he was a big patter of the football. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, a lot of, uh, quarterbacks did sort of back in the day. But when I got in the league, that was, you know, very much sort of a no no. It's consistently talked about Brian Schottenheimer, my quarterback's coach, my rookie year. Uh, you know, Spurrier even talked about never patting the football. You know, it's, it's sort of that little indicator, uh, you know, before you throw the ball for one of the defense to react, but also the defensive linemen to get their hands up. Uh, you know, they know what's coming, that little pat. And, and you know, Cousins does do that. I, I think it probably, uh, you know, hurts his game, hurts the Vikings offense and, and something that, you know, hopefully that, you know, they, they can work out of them. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks uh, if they could get him to change that. That would be positive for the offense. Is there any coach in the league who didn't coach you? Well, that's a good question. Um, uh, Josh McDaniels, you know, Josh okay. McDaniels, by the way, and I was on Twitter this morning, saw a really neat interview, uh, uh, Josh McDaniels and, you know, one of these Super Bowl interviews. And I thought it was really interesting. Uh, we're sort of going off course here, but, uh, you know, he, you know, he, when he first got to the Patriots, he worked the defensive side of the ball for three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought this was a really interesting point and you don't see it. I don't think nearly enough in the NFL is like if you want to be a, a, an offensive coordinator or a quarterback coach or a head coach, coach defense for at least a year, if not two, if not three. So you got to realize Josh McDaniels and what he talked about is that, you know, defense is everything is about rules uh, and, and what the rule is, you know, whether you're in slot, whether it's a three wide receiver set, you know, based off the coverage, the look, what are the rules? Uh, and until you really understand what defenses are, are being taught and what the players are being taught, it's hard to then on the other side of the ball go, okay, well, this is what we should do to counteract that uh, or to attack their rules and make them break their rules or to confuse them. And I think that's been big for Josh McDaniels uh, over the course of his career. I also know this Kyle Shanahan, when he first got in the league, 
he used to talk about how much time he would spend uh, with Monty Kiffin when he was in Tampa, uh, the defensive coordinator, and how he learned all the rules of defense. And uh, and I just think that would be, you know, very, uh, again, a very positive thing for, for any young coach to actually coach the other side of the football. So when you got to decide that you really want to coach long term, you understand how the other side operates. You can really see that in the Patriots offense. And I was going through Peyton Manning's detail. You ever watch any of those? ESPN plus Peyton Manning. Breaks I do. Down I'm tape. not going to lie to you. I'm a, I'm a bit underwhelmed. I'm a, people just seem to really enjoy it. I'm like, I think it's, it's fairly simple and not all that exciting. So preferably, I actually, I like what Orlovsky does. That's the way I see the game. You see all the different, uh, 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 you know, detail and, and, you know, what the defense is doing and what the quarterback is thinking. I do like what Peyton's doing there, but I feel, feel like it's, it's sort of made for the masses and it doesn't really go into the precise detail. Uh, of what a quarterback is thinking. Well, you have the high quarterback, NFL quarterback standard. So I, I, that's probably <laughs> why you're watching it and seeing a bunch of just the same obvious things to, to him, right? Well, again, you know, Peyton was out there actually on the field and me and Orlovsky were mostly on the sidelines. So <laughs> yeah, that's whole, true. The whole journeyman backup thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. But I, I, th- I just thought it was interesting that in the uh, episode about Tom Brady, he makes a bunch of points about knowing what the Chiefs were going to try to take away and then how to take advantage of that. So when Julian Edelman hit a couple of balls over the middle, he was pointing out that he knew the Chiefs were going to adjust to doing something like a robber to move the safety into the middle of the field after giving a two-deep safety look, and then they were able to switch and go to the outside. So knowing what the adjustments to the adjustments were going to be is something that Josh McDaniel seems to be really good at. Well, and at the end of the day, uh, most uh, passing game concepts, and not all by any means, but uh, I would say over half are, you know, some sort of too high safety defense. A lot of times you're going to work something over the middle of the field, whether it's a tight end or Edelman over in the middle, uh, you know, something between those safeties, between the hashes. And then when they go a single safety look, as you said, whether it's a robber, the other safety comes to the middle of the field to take away those types of plays. Now you've got one-on-one on the outside. So, no matter how long football is played, and this goes back for, for decades and decades, there's so much, you know, two safeties, you're working something on the inside, one safety, you're working something on the outside. And, you know, people were blown away that uh, Tony Romo, you know, just a few weeks ago was sort of calling the plays in that championship game against the Chiefs. And, you know, it's not that hard to go, listen, if they go single safety and Gronkowski's out there one-on-one, he's probably going to throw it to Gronkowski. Why? Because, well... <laughs> They've decided to, to double Edelman, uh, you know, in the slot or whoever's going to be uh, in the middle of the field by, you know, walking down to safety and playing him in some sort of robber or lurk, uh, lurk look is what they sort of call that. And, and so, you know, again, uh, people are sort of blown away by how can you see that, uh, that you know, where the quarterbacks can go with the football. But, you know, from, from a veteran quarterback's perspective, that's just sort of the basic, uh, basic science of the game. Well, I think it's cool that. You know, ESPN is making that effort and Tony Romo makes that effort to really show fans what's going on as opposed to sort of just giving the very, very most basic analysis to slow things down if you're Peyton Manning and go through it or Dan Orlovsky, who does a tremendous job that you bring up to really go through the game tape and explain it in a way that people can understand so they can see the game better. I, I Well, yeah, I was going to say, I really do think uh, of all the great coverage that, whether it's ESPN, NBC, Fox, CBS, they do for these football games, uh, the one thing that has been missing sort of forever is the deep analytical 
you know, uh, watching the watching what the coaches watch, mm-hmm. watching what all the players are watching when they get in their meetings on Monday, uh, and they're getting yelled at or praised by their coach for a job well done or or a piss poor effort. And you know what you see on TV, you just don't see all those details. I think it's one of the reasons that people uh, got excited or enjoyed that view. Uh, you know, when the camera with the camera went down, or you couldn't, it was was it was a foggy. Yeah, foggy. You couldn't see it or something like that. Yeah. And, and they went to that behind the quarterback view and to go, oh, this is this is a weird way to watch the game. And I'm sitting there going, like, that's pretty much how a quarterback is. We watch the games at all times. I mean, those are the windows, and the, we're seeing those leverages, and we're seeing the safeties walking around the linebackers. You know, go from inside of a, a slot receiver to outside, which means you know a safety's going to walk down probably on the other side. You see all those angles better. The actual normal, you know, sort of TV copy that we watch on our, our television sets at home does not give those details. So I think as all these television uh, companies uh, and, and whatever else, you know, uh, YouTube and, and, and Twitter, whoever's you know, doing these games in the future, there is going to be uh, a big market for people who actually want to learn that science of the game. Leverage and, you know, two safeties, one safety, you know, sort of man-to-man versus cover three zone, how that all works, how plays worked, how they didn't work, why that say you know why that intercept uh, interception happened uh, because I think people are really interested in that science of the game that's something that no one has really covered all that well basically since the beginning of football. But what would be complex for you? You you bring up that you know Manning points out a lot of the simple stuff and Tony Romo too that goes through your mind as the basics. But what would take it to the next next level where if you were a quarterback breaking down the film for twenty minutes on one play that you would get to? Well, man, I, I tell you, you know, I do this for my football camps, uh, my quarterback collective camps uh, when I'm out in L.A. in the summertime. And, and you know, I go over all these different coverages and, and I have about 10 plays for about eight different coverages. So we have 80 plays total. Of course, I don't get through all 80 plays in my in my film session. Uh, it's amazing. That on the very first play of the game of, of this whole film study, I spend about 10, maybe 15 minutes on one play. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an Alex Smith play. Uh, they're playing against the Broncos. I think it was like two years ago. He's in Kansas City. And the first thing I ask these high school quarterbacks, and you know, a lot of these kids are, are some of the top kids in the country, very highly ranked, going to, you know, Justin Fields was there two years ago. He went to Georgia. Now he's going to Oklahoma, uh, Ohio State on, as a transfer. I mean, we're getting these top kids there. But they, they don't also understand that, so that, that science of the game. And the very first question I ask these kids is uh, on this first play is, is this man or is it zone? And the, to be honest, with you, they have no idea hmm. if it's man or zone. It's just a two by two set, and they don't know because you can't tell. But where you can tell is uh, it's two tight ends on the bottom of the screen. It's two wide receivers in the top of the screen, and the key to leave is playing at the bottom of the screen by the two tight ends. So any veteran quarterback would immediately go, "Oh, this is some sort of zone coverage." Mm-hmm. Why, if it was man, Talib would go over to the other side and be in the slot. All right. If it, since it's zone, he's going to be over here, you know, covering the two tight ends. And so there's so many uh, amazing details of, of this play. Uh, and it's, you know, there's protection. There's things you can talk about with changing protection and how a quarterback can protect themselves, you know, from the inside rather than having the line, you know, slide out to that slot receiver in case that guy blitzes out the slot receiver. Say, hey, you know what? He's not going to come. Let's keep them on the inside, which then helps uh helps solidify the pocket better so again rather than the line sliding out there they're working towards that sort of middle linebacker so the center can stay inside help with both guards uh rather than say that right guard being by himself 
uh, without the slide. So there's so many details you can get into. It starts with protection. Then you obviously go into coverages and the routes. Uh, then obviously the decision-making and the accuracy and the throw. Uh, so there's, like, yeah, there's a lot that you can go, go into just on one play. Let me circle back to Kirk Cousins on that point because against the Blitz, Kirk Cousins was really spectacular this year and has been for a couple years now. And it's uh, interesting to see the adjustment of the opponents that the blitz percentage has gone down for how much they go after Kirk Cousins. One thing I think about with this offensive coordinator change is that if you give Cousins the right answers to the problems the defense is presenting, he's probably going to find them. I mean, this is the biggest asset that Gary Kubiak has is that Kirk Cousins is very good at understanding what he's seeing and then executing it if it's there. Yeah, I, I think the the, fra- the word I want to use here is structure. I think Kirk is, a, is all about having a very structured offense. You know, there's a rhyme and there's a reason for everything. There's an answer for everything. You know, if they blitz, he's very aware of what's going on defensively, what coverages people are in, where people moved post-snap. He is very sort of on top of it. And so he doesn't miss, you know, blitzes very often. There's not a lot of times where, uh, you know, the, he drops back Somebody brings a pressure, the person's unblocked, and he's holding on to the football, taking sacks or trying to make a play. Now you see that occasionally with a Pat Mahomes, but what Mahomes does, because he's, you know, so young and athletic right now, is he just escapes out of the pocket and then makes something happen. Uh, you know, you can do that when you're young and you're super athletic, but as you get older and you want to play in the league for 15 years, that's a harder and harder thing to do. So, you know, Cousins, since he doesn't have that athletic ability, uh, he works very well in a very structured, uh, type of offense where you have answers for everything. You know, what's the answer if they bring a Sam Strong safety? What's the answer if they bring a Will Free safety? What's the answer if they bring a corner from the short field? Is it going to be a slant throw? Is it going to be a sluggo throw because we think the safety uh, that's replacing that corner is playing too tight? I mean, what are the answers? And I think Kirk does a really gr- good job of that, of playing within a structured system. Now it's up to Stefanski to come up with, uh, uh, you know, really creative plays that still keep that same uh, you know, sort of black and white structure so Cousins can operate in it. In relation to that is another observation that I made. When uh, Cousins was throwing to Adam Thielen, Stephon Diggs, Kyle Rudolph, or Delvin Cook, his quarterback rating was over 100 and sometimes way over 100 when targeting Thielen. When he targeted Laquan Treadwell, it was 80.3, which would basically put him in the uh, journeyman backup or like below average journeyman backup quarterback uh, sort of range when throwing to Laquan Treadwell and the Pro Bowl range when throwing to everyone else. And the fact that he goes where he's supposed to go with the football can be a little problematic when you have a number three wide receiver who is so ineffective like Treadwell. And I've been thinking about this, Sage, for the reason they need to find more options for him as well, because if Treadwell's the right read, he's going to go there, even if Treadwell is not a guy who's going to make a play for him. Well, that's the thing. As a quarterback, you know, people people think sometimes that you go back there and you have like a favorite receiver and, and you're always trying to get them the ball no matter what and try to force them the football. Now, I will say there are teams where uh, they might have a receiver and you just know that if you're not trying to get him the ball, uh, he's going to be a pain in the neck. You know, I, Antonio Brown might be one of those guys or Roethlisberger is probably going to try to force him the ball a little bit more than others. But, you know, a really good coordinator – just designs plays. You try to get your best players in the best position to, to be open, you know, first and foremost. Uh, and then, you know, the, the, the worst players are sort of the, the complimentary guys 
uh, who might come open. But the quarterback really just needs to go through his reads. You can't get too wrapped up in sort of the politics of who I should throw the football. You want to, again, stick to the science, stick to the reads, stick to that structure. So whether it's Treadwell that comes in uh, on some sort of shallow cross or it's Stephon Diggs, who cares? Is that guy you know, open based off the read? And if you have a good structured offense that's well-designed, uh, it doesn't really matter who the person is. And you know that's, that's the thing with Treadwell is he was just so inconsistent last year whether it was bad routes or the wrong routes or, you know, what, what, whatever it is, he's obviously struggled with multiple quarterbacks in his times, uh, in his years with the Vikings. And, and it, it's also interesting, by the way, uh, that his quarterback rating was so low at Treadwell, but yet the Vikings continued to, to use three wide receiver sets, yeah. you know, so much uh, th- this past year. Uh, you know, just below him was, was Robinson, who had, he did have a higher quarterback rating with, with Robinson over 100 with him as well. But the Vikings used three wide receivers. Uh, a lot last year, uh, and for a team that is was in almost every ball game, in close ball games all the year, uh, you know their style of offense uh, to win football games. I got to think three wide receivers was not that was not that style that was conducive to winning. So Sage, I want to ask you about your just thing you're looking forward to most uh, in the Super Bowl in a second. But first, uh, I've been showing you these awesome statistics from Pro Football Focus, but I got to give you maybe my favorite as it pertains to journeyman quarterbacks. Okay, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick, big time throw percentage. So how many of his throws were risky but turned out to be big time throws into traffic, deep passes, things like that? Number two in the league in big time throw percentage. Also number 34 in the league, that being worse in turnover worthy plays. Ryan Fitzpatrick went out there this year and slung the guns and it was well, awesome. He, and it shows up in been, the stats. He's been doing that for a while. I sort of feel like ever since he became the bearded quarterback, <laughs> I'm not sure it, what, if he was with the Texans at some, I don't know He's, when it, exactly. The beard that started was. in Buffalo. Yeah. Okay, but I feel like, uh, you know, he came, you know, I got realized he started his career, I believe, St. Louis, Mike Martz. Yeah, correct. All right. Yep. And Mike Martz, he trained all his quarterbacks to be gunslingers. It was sort of the way he wanted his quarterbacks to be, uh, you know, whether it's Kurt Warner, um, or, uh, trying to think of the guy right after, right after Warner. Uh, Bulger? Um, uh, Mark Bulger. Uh, Fitzpatrick, whoever played quarterback in St. Louis, Mike March wanted him to be a gunslinger. And they would, and they, we would play against the, the, those teams and, you know, they would be, you know, losing by so many and they would just still be just slinging it around and the quarterback just getting killed. Uh, they were <laughs> always dropping, dr- still dropping back seven steps, never really had much of a running game. And it was just aggressive, 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 aggressive. Give your guys a chance. Give your guys a chance. And, and uh, I think he was, again, initially trained that way from an early on standpoint of, you know what, if you're going to make it in this league, especially as a younger guy, you got to go out there and make it happen and, and give your guys a chance. And, and he really sort of has had that, uh, you know, mentality throughout most of his career. And it's also why he has been really valuable. I mean, he's a guy who come and throw four touchdown passes in a game. I, I mean, he was like the best quarterback in the NFL for like the first two weeks of the season. But then after that, you know, the other side of him comes out and, you know, he throws four interceptions in the very next game or throws six interceptions. I mean, he just sort of has no conscience. You think <laughs> it's the opposite. You think you think a guy that went to Harvard would be more mentally sort of structured like Kirk Cousins. You yeah. know, very analytical, uh, you know, very precise and, and not a gunslinger nearly as much. 
but you know, yeah, Fitzy, uh, that that's the way he's always been. That, that's you know, he's uh, that's why he's a great backup to have uh, because at least he gives your team a chance and he can beat anybody. But yeah, he can also lose to anybody. Yeah, I I love that through his whole career, it's been like if they're giving me the football and giving me a chance. I'm not going to waste it checking down. <laughs> I'm going to throw this football. And I uh, I felt like our buddy, I'm calling him my buddy. I've interviewed him twice. Gus Farratt would do the same thing. Like when the Vikings would give him a chance, it was like, I'm in here. I'm throwing it to Randy Moss. I'm throwing it down the field to Moss. I'm not going to check down a bunch of times. I'm going to take this football and make something happen. So uh, I always like those kind of backup quarterbacks who are willing to take a shot when they get in. So Ryan Fitzpatrick, I think if we were naming a journeyman quarterback of the year, it would have to be Fitzpatrick for what he did early in the season. Well, I, when out on the field or like within the press conference with his outfit, I think <laughs> yes, the press conference yes. is how that, that may have been that subtly, probably the highlight of the entire NFL season of all the great <laughs> things that happened. I think the, the, the Sean, uh, uh, Deshaun was it Deshaun the wide receiver Deshaun Jackson um, yeah Deshaun Jackson that he stole his outfit and wore that press conference <laughs> that may have been my highlight of it that was the journeyman backup highlight of the 2018 NFL season yes yes I completely agree with that um before we wrap up Sage just uh what are you looking for most in this Super Bowl and who are you selecting as your team to win well I think I'm with 90 seven percent of america and hoping that the patriots lose and that the rams <laughs> win um you know i i really do like sean mcveigh it's been fun to do this football camp with him uh in the summertime uh it's, it's nice to have somebody else win the super bowl obviously um you know th- this rams offense is is a lot of fun to watch it's a style that i you know really understand i really uh, agree with i think it makes the quarterback better you've seen that you know vast improvement from, from when golf got in the NFL and was just horrendous his rookie year. And a lot of people thought, uh, he stunk till, uh, you know, now being a, a pretty dang good quarterback. And so, yeah, I'm a rooting for the Rams. Uh, you know, we, I think it's one of those games that, yeah, people always like to say, you know, so and so is going to win, but it's a, it's a toss up. I mean, I, I sort of feel like it's going to come down to a field goal here, a touchdown here. Uh, should be a really well, uh, played football game. I think Marcus Peters, uh, the, the corner for the Rams is going to be somebody, uh, that the, the Patriots are going to try to attack as much as possible. I think they're, they're going to try to double move him as much as possible. He likes to, you know, Marcus Pierce, one of those guys who he wants to make that big play. Uh, you know, he wants to make that big play so he can talk smack, uh, which means that he's also you know, really open to that double move. So I can see that occurring a couple of times in the ball game and, and make, maybe being the difference, but should be a very good game. Uh, I think Brady will play really well. Uh, I do find it interesting, as, as we've talked about all year, you know, pocket passing quarterbacks like our Kirk Cousins, not great with create, you know, creating plays. Uh, then this has been the year of, you know, the Pat Mahomes uh, of the world of guys that do create plays and how much fun they are to watch and the explosiveness of that style. But here we are in the Super Bowl. And yet again, we have two pocket passing guys who probably can't run a, you know, a 5 two forty. Uh, and, and they're the ones leading their teams with, again, run, play action. You've seen the Patriots do more run and play action this year than they've done in previous years. Uh, both teams using the fullback a lot. Uh, this should be a lot of fun to watch. And, and, and I don't think it'll be super high scoring. I see that both teams may be in the 20s. Yeah, it is a, a great matchup. 
and I like the young quarterback versus old quarterback, young coach versus old coach dynamic that's going on here. And uh, I'm going to pick the Rams. I think that they're a more talented team, but as far as the uh, schematic parts of it, you never know what Bill Belichick has up his sleeve. So uh, I am looking forward to it as well. Also want to, before we wrap up, make a uh, announcement that uh, we're taking this purple podcast on the road soon, Sage. You and I are going to be a purple podcasting and going over the air broadcasting as well on Score North at the NFL Combine. So I'm very excited. Yes, about that. I'm very excited about that. Just uh, booked my plane uh, to go to Indianapolis. What was that? In three weeks or something like that? Three, uh, three, four yeah, weeks at the, at the end of February. Yeah. You know, the NFL, it never ends. It goes from the, the season, uh, training camp to the season, which is just madness and the Super Bowl. Uh, shoot, the senior bowl already happened, uh, you know, last week in the Pro Bowl. Uh, now it's, you know, the Super Bowl happened here. Now we're on to the, uh, the, the combine and then there'll be individual workouts. And next, you know, there's the dra- free agency coming up here in, in early March. Uh, and then obviously the draft, which I believe is about the first week of, of May and on to the OTA. So it never stops and, and it's been a lot of fun working this uh, purple podcast, uh, you know, this season, and and uh, looking forward to the combine here in about three weeks. Yeah, we'll have a lot of great stuff for you. So make sure that uh, you're paying attention and listening to every single episode because uh, we'll have a lot for you. And tuning into the show from two to four over the air, or uh, you can also subscribe to that. By the way, Score North Live. If you type that in, that's uh, the over the air show from two to four. You can get that podcasted as well. So thanks, Sage, uh, for all the great work this year, but we're we're not done. We're going to keep rolling. And uh, thank you all for listening to the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.